Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Easter Sunday. Happy Resurrection. Hey, what a great day. Amen. You know, really, really is something to celebrate, and we enjoy coming together like this, but you know, really, honestly, for those that call Jesus the Savior and Lord, every day is a celebration of resurrection, amen? A new life lived with the life and power of God, amen? Uh, Not our ability, but his ability and all his possibilities are there uh, for all those that call upon his name. And so we're excited to celebrate today. We obviously want to recognize uh, the the cross and because of the cross and the payment for sin from the spotless lamb, where would we be had he not paid our price? And then the resurrection power that's made available for all of us, we do have much to celebrate. So thank you for coming out today. We want to welcome you. I'm Pastor Don. If you're a visitor today, my wife, Jessamy, on behalf of all the staff and leaders here at Tree Life, thank you for being here. I don't know what brought you here this morning. Maybe it's because it's Easter. Maybe you finally said, all right, I'll go if you quit asking me. (laughs) Maybe you lost a bet. I don't know. But here's what I believe. I believe you're here by God's divine design. Whatever got you here, he wanted you to be here today. Because I believe if you'll open up your heart, he's got something great for you. And so you saw some announcements on the screen. You can always find more information here about Tree of Life on our app or our website. I just want to let you know just... To go over an announcement again, hey, next week is Water Baptism Sunday. And so we get excited about baptism because that's someone expressing, I am a changed life publicly. So if you today, perhaps, or if you just recently gave your life to Christ or made a new commitment, then come on next week. We're going to have just as much fun celebrating that as we are today. So great things going on. So come be a part of that. Amen. All right. Hey, this morning, I want to jump into the word with you. Uh, Romans 8. Go ahead and turn to Romans 8. Easter weekend's always, you know, where do you go, what do you do, and you know you're talking about the cross in some regard, but you're focusing on the resurrection, and there's a number of ways that you can, you can talk about that, because I believe the Bible is full of illustrations. I believe everything really comes from those two events, our salvation and our resurrection power that we walk in, the price that Jesus paid, and what he enabled us to do then, the living a life for him with the resurrection power. And so when you look at the scripture, Old and New Testament, the old points to the new, and the new points to those two things, those two events in our life and what that means. And sometimes with so much talk about Easter and things, sometimes the meaning of them gets lost. Maybe we need to be told, maybe for the first time, maybe we need to be reminded. But I believe there's a lot of ways that we can do that. And the scripture I want to look at today is one perhaps that you might not equate necessarily with the crucifixion, crucifixion and resurrection. But I believe everything really speaks to the price that Jesus paid and the resurrection power made available. And so I want to look at a passage that I think we can probably all relate to. In fact, I shared this uh, message today several, several weeks ago, a couple months ago. And if you heard it before, I believe that things come alive when the more that you hear it. And then if this is for the first time, I, I want you to open up your heart and receive what I believe God would speak to us today concerning his, the compassion he has shown to us through the crucifixion and the, um, just the, the power that he released in our life through the resurrection. And so I, I always want to start with answering this question, if you will. What is the goal of Christianity? What's God's goal of Christianity? And I think that's an important question because a lot of people, I think, look at the goal with this in mind, that they think the goal, God's whole goal of Christianity is to make a bad person good. <clears throat> and I don't believe that to be the case. I believe that can be a result. I believe, I believe there's a lot of things that happen in life that can make a bad person good, right? A tragedy can all of a sudden, how oh, I can't be living that way any longer and change your life around. I believe God has a deeper purpose in that. And it's not to make bad people good. It's to make dead people alive. Amen. Dead people that are living a life that's really not living. 
and bringing new life into them and new possibilities that he has. He wants to, I love that song, We Need to Move. He wants to take you from where you are to where he's always wanted you to be. He wants you to move you on in his life, love, and power. So I believe that's what the resurrection does for us. The crucifixion gives us that forgiveness of sin and positions us to be able to live out a life with resurrection power. And so um, he wants to take every place in you that's dead and make it alive again. And that's the message of the resurrection that we celebrate. So take a look here in Romans with me. Let's look at verse 11, uh, two parts really to this verse. New Living Translation, let me go and start read it for you. It says this in the first part. It says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you, the Spirit of God. Another way to say that is the same amount of God that it took to raise Jesus lives in you. The same power that God released in that moment lives in you. Think about it in those terms. You have, if Jesus is Savior and Lord, he has put the same amount of God in you that it took to raise Jesus from the grave. The power in heaven, I love that idea. And he did that so you can live a victorious life. And let's go on because it continues to say it this way. It says, to finish out that scripture, and just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, resurrection, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same amount of God that it took to raise Jesus living in you. And let me say it this way. He wants to give life to your mortal bodies. In other words, he wants to give life to everything that's mortal inside of you. Your mortal emotions, your mortal relationships, your mortal hopes, your mortal dreams. He wants to give life, new life to that, the same amount of God that he placed in Jesus, he wants to place in your life that will give his life to those things within you by that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Let me say it this way, the resurrection of Jesus gives you the power to close the gap between the life you are now living and the life you could live with him. And so the life you're living and the life that deep down inside that you know that you want or know what he has. And so for the next few minutes, I wanna use this passage of scripture in Mark and help us understand what, what really the crucifixion and resurrection uh, talk about. It gives us a great picture. I think we can all relate to. And I want to look at a story in the Bible that I believe really captures what Jesus came to do for all of us. So turn, if you would, to Mark 1 for me, starting in verse 40 through 45. Mark 1, 40 through 45. Let's take a look at the New King, New King James Version. We're looking in the Gospel of Mark. And just so you know that there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, written by followers of Jesus, inspired by the Holy Spirit that really tell of the life of Jesus. And in those four gospels, they contain many of the same stories just told from a different perspective. Each pulled something different out of it. Much as if four of us would write about something we saw, we'd all express it a little bit differently. So we can look in these four gospels at some, some stories that are the same in all four and find different meanings and different uh, details in them. So let's start reading in verse 40. Here's what it says, Mark 1:40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city. Now listen to this, but he was outside in deserted places and they came to him from every direction. So verse 40 really tells us, and now I know what you're saying, really the healing of a leper and the resurrection story. Yes, hang with me. We're going to talk about it here. It says a man with leprosy came to Jesus. And when you look in the other gospels, you don't see much more than that. 
And I find it very interesting because this is one of the first miracles recorded by Mark. Now that's interesting because the Bible says that there are too many miracles, there aren't enough pages to contain them all. And so when the writers inspired by the Holy Spirit put things into scripture, they selected things that the Holy Spirit directed to them to on purpose. So I think it's intentional that this man's name is never mentioned. And I think it's interesting because you really don't know anything about the man other than he has leprosy. And if you're like me, I, I read things and I want to know, well, who was he? Where did he come from? Where did he live? What did he do? How long has he had leprosy? Did he have a family? That's just me. But the, what you really see here, the emphasis is here's a man with no name that has leprosy. We are told that he has no name or no name is mentioned, but we're told his condition. His condition is leprosy. His issue is leprosy. It goes to show you that sometimes your identity can be consumed by your issues, that your identity can be consumed by your issues. And the truth is you can become more known by what's wrong with you than by who you have the potential to be. And so much so that you no longer even know who you are. The longer those things are operating in our life, you even lose your real sense of identity because your issues can consume your identity. Now, all of us can find ourselves here because we all have issues. All of us, all God's people have issues. All people have issues, right? We all make mistakes. And if we don't take care of our issues, they can easily consume our identity. And so our issues can consume our identity. The good news is this, that we serve one whose identity can consume all our issues. Amen. And his name is Jesus. And his identity is able to consume all our issues. And because he is one without sin, there are not issues that he can have that would consume his identity. So isn't it good to know that if your issue has a name, it must be subjected to the name greater than that name, which is Jesus. Because Jesus has no issues, therefore, he has an identity that consumes your or my issue. Whereas we live our life in season to season and moment to moment, really struggling with our issues. And our issues, if we're not able to take care of those in a particular way, they're able to consume our identity. But it's good to know that we have a God whose identity is not consumed by our issues. Amen. In fact, when you look in the Old Testament, when Moses had an encounter with God, basically, when Moses was told to go deliver his people, he was wandering the desert and there was a burning bush. It was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. And so he, the bush calls out to him and says, go deliver my people. And Moses says, he's looking at a burning bush, says, who do I tell him sent me? The burning bush up on the hill? <laughs> and he said, no, tell him I am. As if Moses was standing there and saying, I, I am. Okay, yeah, I mean, I'm listening. I am. <laughs> And God would just imply there, no, that's my identity. I am. I am whatever you need whenever you need it. My identity has not changed and never will change. No matter what your issues are, my identity stays the same. And my identity is able, I am able to meet your need before you even know you have a need. He changes not. It's a God whose identity can consume all our issues. And I love the idea, and I'm so thankful that there's a God that I know who is familiar with my most intimate issues and has decided to love me anyways, even on my worst day. And so here's this man who's given no name, but we know his issue. And I know I'm camping out on this. I'm going to a point with this, but I think we have a tendency to identify that way in our own lives. Verse 40 said, a man with leprosy whose name has been consumed by his disease, of which there is no cure. 
A man who's been pushed to the outside of society. He's an outcast, if you will. He is having to dwell, prohibited from normal relationships and caused to live in isolation. Let's take a look at what this really means in Leviticus. Here's a man with leprosy and there's the Levitical law, law that was written and how they are to live and how they are to operate. Again, we're not, we don't know the man's name. It's been consumed by his identity. But here's what Leviticus says. Anyone with leprosy, how they must live. It says this in verse 45. Chapter 13, anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes. You have to identify yourself by how you're dressed, if you will. Let their hair be unkept. Cover the lower part of your face and cry out, unclean, unclean, as long as they have the disease. Now, back in that day, this disease was uncurable, because it could, so it could have been a death sentence, basically. They must live. As long as you have this disease, you must live alone. You must live outside of the camp. And so the greatest pain from this issue is not physical, perhaps it is emotional. This is a pain of rejection and isolation. And so now we really understand the significance of what Mark is saying when he wrote the phrase, a man with leprosy, a man who were not given the name, but his issue is being identified. And the man came to the one again and stood before the one whose name is above every name. Amen. And so the man was standing in front of the one bearing the name above all names. And the man came to Jesus and said, he came to Jesus, but he did it all wrong. Because Levitical law says a number of things. We read a little bit there, but it says that you must identify yourself as unclean before you approach anybody, before you're anywhere. Now you could be somewhere, and if someone was approaching you and didn't pay attention, wasn't aware that you were a person with leprosy, once you saw them, you were required to shout out, unclean, unclean. And what they would do would be, change their direction and not come by you. Again, that life of isolation and rejection. He did not keep the appropriate distance. There was a distance they had to keep from people that did not have the disease. When you have leprosy, you have to stay back and not approach anyone. A man with leprosy came to him. Uh, let, me, let me show you, let me illustrate it this way. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, Tim Duncan. 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 50. You are the lucky man. Right there. See? Wave right there. That's great. Yeah. Right. Please come back. I mean, you might not sit in the center aisle, but come back. I wanted to say David Robinson because... We got a game five coming up and we need the Spurs to resurrect a little bit right there. Amen. All right. Just, all right. Enough of that. Enough of that. Enough of that. 50 paces. Think about right where I was to right where I am is where they had, by Levitical law, they had to be. They could not be any closer to that. They had to live their life in a way that they couldn't get any closer to this than anybody. And they had to watch life from a distance. They had to watch people celebrate things. They had to watch weddings. They had to watch birthday parties. They had births of people maybe they knew, but they had to stay 50 paces away. I could not imagine life that way. And if someone came within that radius or within that distance, they had to shout out, unclean, unclean, so they wouldn't be by. Now, it wasn't meant to be mean, and people weren't trying to be mean, because it wasn't the leper's fault that he got leprosy. But they tried to protect everybody else, and they said, you must live this way based on your issue. And I thought that's interesting, but there were places they could be. For instance, like the synagogue, they could go to church, but in church they created either a separate room or they put a screen or a curtain up that they had to stay behind. So they had to be behind the curtain. They couldn't interact with anybody else and what was happening at that time. And I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if 
We had created that same system. Like someone at the door, um, we have seating for you if you have an issue. Where <laughs> would that be, right? Can I tell you, we only have seating for you if, you, if your issue is being late, then it's in the back. That's all. <laughs> That's just all there is. It'd be interesting though, wouldn't I mean, we wouldn't be able to ask you what your issue is, but we'd have to ask your spouse or your kids, right? Or your friend, because we'd have to have a big section. The biggest section would be those that say, well, I don't, I don't have an issue. And then we see it in a section that was labeled, you are lying, <laughs> all right? Because <laughs> we all have issues. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Now, the advantage that the man with leprosy had over you and I is that his issue was visible. You could see the spots. It was outward. The truth is, we all have issues, and the reality would be this, that really we all have spots on the inside that nobody can see. You know, in a sense, we have secret spots. And maybe there's some things that outwardly you can see. Maybe there's addictions or things that we do that there's an outward result of that we see that in our life or other people see that. But the truth is we all have secret spots on the inside. His was just visible, which really honestly gave him an advantage, if you will. But ours are secret and we hide those. We keep those to ourselves, secret spots. We have spots that we hide and keep covered up. The thing is that the secret spots inside of us you can be somewhere, you can be in church, but you put up a curtain, you put up a screen so nobody can see you for who, who you really are. And the screen helps people from seeing you who you really are, but it also keeps you from seeing God for who he really is. And so we live behind a screen. So we'll come to a place like this and we'll come to a place and we'll live behind a screen and our life now is behind a screen that we have built. And it keeps us from getting close to people, sure, but it keeps us from getting close to God as well. And see, shame always creates a screen. Guilt always creates a screen. Uh, Hurt and brokenness always creates a screen. Rejection always creates a screen. And behind the screen, I'm at church, but I'm not really here. Behind the screen, I'm at home, but but I'm not really there. And behind the screen, I'm I'm married, but but I'm really not present in the relationship. And, And I have kids or I have friends, but I'm not really engaged in life. I learned to stay behind a screen. So we learn to live behind screens. And we learn to create, to be somebody who we really aren't because we don't want anybody in. We don't want anybody to know. We don't really want people to know what we're dealing or wrestling with. We live behind the screen, but understand this, living requires you to come out from behind the screen and get close to others and get close to God. So we can't, that's not really living. That's not really life. That's not life as God intended it to be. And so uh, we, we create ways to hide who we are. And we become unable to really live because living requires you and I to come out from behind the screen and be seen. And so the man violated the law. He violated the law that was put in place to protect people because he heard, he heard that there was a man teaching in synagogues teaching things nobody had ever heard before. There was a man praying for people and, and, and had power associated with his life and miracles were being done with people. He heard that Jesus could heal people and that maybe then Jesus said something for me. He figured if Jesus could do it for them, he could do it for me. And if he ever has done it for anyone, what's to stop him from doing it from us, for us? 50 paces. So he decided. 50 paces away. Here's the man in front of me that I heard can heal. Here's a man in front of me that I heard can do miracles. Here's a man in front of me that when demons cry out, he would tell them to shut up and they'd have to listen to him. Here's a man that people couldn't believe the things that he was saying in a message of love. And maybe, just maybe he had something for me. So he had a decision to make. Am I going to continue to live this way? Isolated, 
a distance between me and life and everyone else when my answer is right there? I mean, just what if what people say is true? And so the first step had to be the hardest, and so you can imagine him in that moment. 49, 48, 47, 46, 45, 44, 43, 42, 41, 40. Is anybody noticing? Because really, what I'm doing, I could be killed for because Levitical law says I should be taken outside the camp and be stoned to death. But I'm not really living anyway. What do I have to lose? Because I'm living life behind a screen so no one sees who I really am. I'm having to shut everything off. 39, 38, 37, 36, 35, 34, 33, 32, 31, 30. Maybe, just maybe what people say are true is true. And if it is, if what I heard is really true, maybe I can have a life again. And I don't know if he had a family, but maybe he could have a family. Maybe he had a wife he could hold again. Maybe he had a child he could hold again. Maybe he could interact. Maybe he could be a part of life in a community. And why not go for it? Because the way he's living is not really living anyways. 29, 28, 27, 26, 25, 24, 23, 22, 21, 20. Look, here he is. Look how close I am. Maybe I should go back. I'm not supposed to be here. Maybe I should turn around right now, but I've come so far and he's right there. When will I have another chance? When will I have another opportunity like this? And here's my question. Well, where's Peter? Where's all the other disciples? Because the reality is the Levitical law says if the unclean touches the clean, then the clean becomes unclean. So really, Jesus, his ministry is at jeopardy. And so we're the guys that would say to protect him and say, oh, no, no, you can't touch him because if you do, his ministry is over because then he becomes unclean. Maybe they were afraid. Maybe they're afraid to get around the man. Maybe they're like, hey, wait, look at that guy. Somebody stop him. You stop him. I'm not stopping. You stop him. All right? Where are those guys protect him? 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13. 12, 11, 10, just maybe. I'm so close right now. He's just right there. Is he going to accept me or is he going to reject me? He's going to tell by the way I'm dressed to how I look that I have leprosy. He's going to see the spots on me. And will he turn like everybody else does and turn away in horror or, or be repulsed by how I look or in fear because he doesn't want to get what I have, but I don't know. I can't keep living this way. And he's right there. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, Two, one, and as he stands in front of Jesus, he must have just said, I'm here. I've come 50 paces. I shouldn't have done it, but I'm here. I know that I have no right to stand before you because I'm being unclean, but I'm here. I'm here. And I know that my life could be ended, but I'm not really living, but I'm here. And I can't live in isolation and rejection, so I'm here. I can't live this way any longer. He said in front of Jesus, maybe, maybe for him, he was saying, I heard you could heal, so I'm here. I heard you did miracles, so I'm here. I know I shouldn't be here in this moment, but I'm here. And maybe it's, I shouldn't be here this morning, but I got up and got dressed. I, I didn't want to, and everything within me said, you're not worthy and guilty and shame, and you're living your life, and who do you think you are? Everything, but I'm here. And, I, and I've had people tell me I have no value and I have no worth, but I'm here. Because I heard that he saves. I'm here. I heard that you died on a cross for my sin, and I'm here. I heard that you rose again from the grave so I can have a life that's worth living because my life right now is not living at all. I'm here. And I don't have any place else to go, and I don't know what else to do, but I'm here. And if you are who you say you are, I'm here. <laughs> 
You can imagine that moment, that man standing in front of Jesus. Take a look at what he said because it wasn't the 50 steps that got the man healed. It's what he did next here in verse 40. He said this, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you're willing, you can make me clean on his knees. See, it wasn't the 50 steps. It was when he came to a place of just surrender to God. I've tried everything else. I don't know what to do. I have nowhere else to go, but I am here and I just humble myself to you and I surrender who I am to you. See, it wasn't this posture, and I'm not saying that we have to physically kneel, but inside in our hearts, we have to come to this place of surrender. We have to come to this place of humility because we can go to church our whole life. We can be around people our whole life, but until we surrender to God, until we give ourselves and we just cry out to him and say, I'm here, I have nowhere else to go. We can carry our issue with us the rest of our life, but because Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave. He's given us the ability, if we will humble ourselves and receive and accept what he did, we can have a new life again. We can have new freedom again. We can live again. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here and I surrender. If you'll surrender and give yourself your life to God, let God know, I, I, I don't want to be my issues anymore. And if you will, he says, if you will, make me clean. You know, it's much easier, that phrase, that statement is such a powerful one, I think, because it's so much easier for you and I to believe that God is a great God. God is a powerful God. He's a God of miracles, and he can heal, and he can free, and he can deliver, but will he do it for me? It's easy to believe that he's great, but do we believe that he's good? And it's easy to believe that he can, but will we believe, will he do it for me? Will you, if you will? I love that idea because the man asked the question, really, are you willing? And Jesus did something amazing. He reached out his hand and touched him. He stood before the man and he reached out his hand and touched him. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus, you cannot do that. You cannot touch him because according to Levitical law, if unclean touches the clean, then the clean becomes unclean. But the Bible says when that which is perfect has come, that which is imperfect will be done away with. Jesus is not worried about touching him. Even if the unclean touches the clean, then the clean becomes unclean. But if the clean, unclean touches Jesus, who is perfectly clean, the spotless lamb of God, then the unclean does not make the perfectly clean unclean. The perfectly clean makes the unclean clean. I would say that again, but I don't think I can. <laughs> but understand the perfect lamb of God, the spotless one, Jesus. And he came to make the unclean clean. The thing that we need to know today, the perfect lamb of God went to the cross to take everything we have so we could be clean. And then he rose again from the grave so we could live in resurrection power. See, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done, what issues you may have. He is willing. See, the man says, I know you can, but will you? And Jesus touched him. See, he's unashamed to be identified with you. He was unashamed to be identified with that man. He's not afraid to be with him. He's not afraid to catch what you got. 
No matter what you've done, he's not afraid of that. He's not ashamed of that. The question is not, is he willing? The question is, are you willing? Are you? Jesus answered the question when he touched the man. And for you and I, he answered the question when he went to the cross. And he answered the question when he rose again. The question ultimately is then, are you willing? And so take a look at Mark 141. Here's what the response is. Jesus was indignant. And he reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I'm willing, be clean. Now, when we read that passage of scripture in the New King James Version, it says, uh, I'm sorry, in the New King James, it says this, Jesus was moved with compassion. In the NIV, it says Jesus was indignant or moved, let's say it this way, with indignation. Now, which one was it? Was it compassion or was it indignation? Because they're really two different things. And I would say to this, yes. (laughs) The truth is, When those things were translated back and forth, sometimes they use compassion and sometimes they use indignation, but really the original Greek word, and this was worth coming to Easter right here, as phlegnizomai. (laughs) Right there. I know it sounds like what they're serving at at Olive Garden today with endless salad and breadsticks. That's phlegnizomai. But here's the thing. What that word really means, see, because to the, to the Jews back then, the, we, we think grace is this kind of nice, pretty, pretty word that floats around and kind of fun and really nice. And, but listen, when he's talking about compassion and indignation, it came from the same place inside of him. It says in his gut, it says this literally, in his gut, Jesus' gut in his bowels came out compassion, this intense love for the man, and came out this indignation towards the thing that would separate the man from Jesus. And that same feeling inside of him, he said, I love you so much with an intense love. And he says, I hate the thing that separates you from me. I hate the thing that keeps you living a life aside of what I have for you. He says, I hate that curtain that you've built up. I hate the guilt and the shame, but I love you. It's the same gut feeling. And you know what, to me, that's amazing. The intensity of the emotion there, that feeling that Jesus had towards that man. Because, you know, really the reality is with leprosy, the places in, on their bodies, the places that had leprosy, those spots, the first sign of leprosy is you become numb. That area of your body becomes numb as it begins to decay and die. And maybe, just maybe, you're in here today and you have spots in your life that are hidden, that are secret, and you've built curtains and you have spots in you that because they haven't been dealt with, they've become numb. And maybe they've become so long that now you don't have any feeling in those areas anymore. And maybe it's in your marriage. And then maybe you've grown numb to that spouse. Maybe you've grown numb to that place. And maybe it's with your relationship with your kids or maybe it's with somebody else or maybe it's with hopes and dreams that you've allowed to die. And secretly you've kept it hidden and while you have, they've consumed your identity and now you identify more with the issue and then instead of who God called you to be and now you've allowed this feeling and you say, I don't even feel anymore for them. I don't even feel this anymore. But Jesus says that's okay because I got your feeling because I am full of love and compassion and I am full of frustration towards that thing that would keep you. And you just would say, I'm here and I want to feel again. I want to live again. I want to be alive again. And guess what? Jesus said, I'm there for you. I'm dying on the cross because of my love for you. And then I'm coming up out of that grave. So keep what has separated you from separating you from this point forward. That is the essence of Easter. To live again, to feel again because of his touch. Jesus reached out his hand. I can't imagine what that 
be like. Jesus came to that place to make a difference. And so we see it. We don't have to hide behind curtains or screens anymore. We can come out and live again, come alive again. Matthew 27, 50 through 51. Because of his compassion, he went to the cross. The Bible says this. It says this. And when Jesus had cried out on the cross again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Verse 51. At that moment on the cross, when he gave his life, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. He's saying, like, I died, so nothing will ever separate us again. You don't have to live behind a curtain. You don't have to live behind a screen. You don't have to be dead in those areas anymore. I see you. He says, I see you, and I'm not afraid. I see you, and I'm not going to turn my face away. I see you, and I'm not ashamed. Oh, what is happening in your life? You don't have to live behind a curtain or a screen anymore. You can live again. You can be free again. The resurrection power to live again, to feel again, to be alive again for those mortal places in you that have been dead or dying. And Jesus reaches out his hand in love and power. It's the story of Easter. Let's finish this, Mark 1, 43. Wrap it up this way. The end of that story, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. He says, see that you don't tell anyone this, but go show yourself to the priests and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for you cleansing, for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Listen to this. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Did you get that? Jesus stayed outside in lonely places after this encounter with this man. See, remember in Leviticus 13 that people with leprosy, they must live alone outside in lonely places outside the camp. See, when this story started, the leper was in the lonely place. And when the story was over, Jesus was where the leper belonged. See, Jesus did not free the man from his issue. He took his place. He took his place. Jesus looks at this man with compassion because he has great love for him. And he looks at the issue with indignation because he doesn't want things to keep him away from him. Jesus didn't free the man. He took his place. So nothing could ever separate them again. See, that is the Easter story. Jesus came out of a heart from the core of who he is, of intense love, so much that he laid his life down on a cross and paid the price you could never pay. And then a few days later, he came up out of that grave with this intense indignation, this hatred towards the thing that would keep us separated and keep you from being the person he's called you to be. He came not just to heal you or free you. He came to take your place. I cannot imagine that man standing in front of Jesus in that moment. 50 paces with all the things that he'd faced in his life. And at that moment, and Jesus there looking at him with an with a, with, with a expression of, of love and reaching out and touching that man and, and not being repulsed or looking away or turning away. And, and it must have been the first time because every time maybe he encountered somebody else, they would go the other way. He'd have to shout if they didn't see him and they'd immediately turn around. But Jesus stood right there full of love and compassion. And then he reached out to the man and touched him. Can you imagine how long it had been since that man felt a touch at all? When was the last time? When was the last time he felt anybody's touch? And maybe today, You've not felt that love or that touch, but today is the day. I want just to take a moment 
Let's just close our eyes and just sit in that moment, knowing our spots, knowing the curtains and the screens that we've built, and now knowing the compassion of Jesus and how much he loves us and the indignation he has to the things that separate us. And let's just give a moment to experience and feel his love and his touch. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.